This is the World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. Anthony Blinken, America's Secretary of State, held, quote, candid and constructive talks with Qing Gang, China's foreign minister, in Beijing, according to the State Department. Mr Blinken invited Mr Chin to Washington for further talks. The first visit to China in five years by America's most senior diplomat is an attempt to reboot US-China relations. On Monday, Mr Blinken may meet Xi Jinping, China's president. Mr Blinken's visit is expected to set the stage for more high-level meetings, including one between Joe Biden and Mr Xi in the coming months. Benjamin Netanyahu, Israel's Prime Minister, said he will resume his efforts to push through a contentious overhaul of the country's judiciary in coming weeks. The planned reforms, which ditched democratic checks and balances, were shelved in March after provoking weeks of mass protests and a general strike. Attempts since then to find a compromise with the opposition have come to naught. A referendum in Switzerland passed a law committing the country to carbon neutrality by 2050. The legislation, which creates subsidies for households and businesses ditching fossil fuels, was endorsed by 59% of voters. Supporters hope the initiative will help save the country's endangered alpine glaciers. Critics worry about higher energy prices and that mountain vistas will be obscured by renewable energy infrastructure. The New York Times has offered more evidence that the breaching of the Kohovka Dam on June 6, which flooded swathes of southern Ukraine, was probably the work of the Russians. It suggested that the large explosion that crippled a concrete barrier designed to withstand external attacks was an inside job deep within the dam. Russians control the area and are familiar with the Soviet-era dam's engineering plans. Authorities in Pakistan arrested 12 alleged human smugglers in connection with the shipwreck of a migrant boat which was carrying dozens of Pakistanis in the Mediterranean last week. The accused traffickers were said to have facilitated the migrants' journey to Libya from where they set off for Europe. Pakistan's Prime Minister declared Monday a day of mourning. In a new sign of a rapprochement between Iran and Saudi Arabia, the first direct flight in seven years took pilgrims heading to Mecca from Sana'a, the Yemeni capital. In their proxy war in Yemen, Iran has backed the Houthi regime in Sana'a, while Saudi Arabia supported the opposition coalition. The flight came as Saudi Arabia's former minister, Prince Faisal bin Farhan, paid a fence-mending visit to Iran. Officials in Mali started counting votes after a referendum on a new constitution on Sunday. Results are expected by Tuesday. Mali's junta agreed to hold the plebiscite as part of the commitment to transition to a civilian government by March 2024. The proposed constitution would strengthen presidential powers and, naturally, give amnesty to perpetrators of past coups. And figure of the day, $640, the cost of a human head. And now, here's a deeper look at the day ahead. Russia stacks up Navalny's charges. On Monday, 
another trial of Alexei Navalny, Russia's most prominent dissident, is expected to begin. According to his spokesperson, it will take place in a penal colony some 250 kilometers, 150 miles, east of Moscow, where the politician has been imprisoned for the past year. Since his arrest in January 2021, Mr. Navalny has been convicted of parole violation, fraud and contempt of court. Now the Kremlin is adding spurious charges of extremism and terrorism. If Mr. Navalny is found guilty, as is almost certain, he could face 35 years in jail. The charges show the role the courts are playing in carrying out the Kremlin's increasingly repressive policies. As Vladimir Putin's bloody and expensive invasion of Ukraine grinds on, he is suppressing dissent back home. Last week, Lilia Chanashava, a coordinator for Mr. Navalny's political office in Bashkortostan, a region in central Russia, was jailed for seven and a half years on extremism charges. In Mr. Putin's Russia, it is becoming increasingly costly to speak out. Imran Khan is losing his battle. Imran Khan is in a precarious position. On Monday, the bail granted to him in a corruption case will probably be extended again, staving off a looming arrest. Pakistan's former prime minister has suffered a spectacular reversal of fortunes in recent weeks. Until early May, the country's most popular politician looked on course to force Shabazz Sharif, the prime minister, into early elections, or at least to be odds-on to win a vote later in the year. But after Mr Khan's supporters attacked military installations on May 9th, Pakistan's powerful army set about dismantling his base. Thousands of Mr Khan's followers have been arrested. Many face trial in military courts. His party, Pakistan Tariq Insaf, disintegrated as senior leaders defected. The government has mooted banning it. Media have been told not to broadcast Mr Khan's speeches or even mention his name. Threatened with jail, deprived of political support and the oxygen of publicity, the flamboyant rabble-rouser looks increasingly lonely and powerless. Paris Airshow takes off again. The aerospace and defence executives, industry analysts, journalists and hangers-on pounding the baking tarmac at Le Bourget Airport will do so with springs in their steps this year. The first Paris air show since 2019, which starts on Monday, will probably bring a glut of orders for passenger jets. Order books at Boeing, the American plane maker, and Airbus, its European rival, are already stuffed as air travel bounces back with a vengeance. And the war in Ukraine is boosting military spending by governments around the world. Defence companies will be keen to show off their newest kit. There will be plenty of talk about decarbonising air travel, with companies that plan to launch battery-powered flying taxis in the coming years converging on the show too. None have yet carried passengers, but by the end of a long day in the heat, the promise of a quick flight from the suburbs of Paris to the city centre will seem worth waiting for. Trump's post-indictment glow when Brett Baer, Fox News's senior political correspondent, last interviewed Donald Trump, it was aboard Air Force One in 2018. The then-president was in negotiations with North Korea's dictator Kim Jong-un. His concessions in a tentative agreement on Korea's denuclearization alarmed many Republican lawmakers. On Monday, Mr. Baer will sit down again with Mr. Trump, who is now tussling with America's Justice Department. But more Republicans have his back this time. Last week, Mr. Trump was charged with 37 felonies related to an alleged mishandling of classified documents. At least 100 Republicans in Congress have questioned the validity of his stunning indictment, about 76 fully reject it. 
expect Mr. Bayer to let Mr. Trump air his grievances, but even Fox's support has its limits. A recent town hall with Mr. Trump was pre-recorded so that any references he made to a stolen election in 2020, a claim similar to the one that cost Fox $787.5 million in a recent legal settlement, could be edited out. Laurie Moore's Haunting Story of Lost Love Everyone at some point in their lives should have a long great love affair with a magnificent lunatic, declares Finn, a melancholic schoolteacher, in the beautifully idiosyncratic I Am Homeless If This Is Not My Home by Laurie Moore, an American novelist. The deceptively slender volume, published on Tuesday, ponders heavy themes such as love, death, suicide and the meaning of life. But its true power lies in the almost antic ingenuity of each sentence. Does Finn actually spot his beloved ex-girlfriend wandering around the cemetery where she has just been buried, smelling vaguely of rot? Do they really embark on a road trip, discussing their love and trials? Perhaps Finn is simply undone by his grief. Yet, Ms. Moore seems to be probing how we are all haunted by past loves, unhealed wounds and slipping memories. As Finn observes, no longer caring about a thing was a key to both living and dying. So was caring about a thing. Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve you a new question each day of the week. On Friday, your challenge is to give us all five answers and, as important, tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 1700 hours GMT on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown three winners on Saturday. Monday. Which book by Gaston Leroux was adapted into a musical by Andrew Lloyd Webber? Finally, here's the quote of the day from José Rizal, who was born on this day in 1861. Man is multiplied by the number of languages he possesses and speaks. That's the World in Brief from The Economist, available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. And subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app to start listening. 